Welcome back to the Jim Leach Show. Hopefully you heard the conversation last week on the morning news feed with Greg Bishop as he had an extended conversation related to uh, last Thursday's Illinois Times cover story. It's about the multiple sexual abuse allegations uh, now filed against uh, a young man who happened to be the son of a Springfield Police Department detective. Uh, this is a, a pretty explosive story with lots of ramifications about how these cases are, are handled, how these complex family ties can become uh, entangled in stories like this and how it can complicate a victim search for justice. It's such an important story. We wanted to bring uh, Scott Mulf, uh, excuse me, Scott Reader. <laughs> Sorry, just I'm getting uh, mixed, mixed up with the flag for the uh, AG's office. I just, yeah, I just uh, <laughs> read a uh, a comment written by somebody else who had the name in my head. Uh, Scott Reader from the <laughs> Illinois Times is here with us to uh, to talk about this story and uh, what we uh, you know continue to learn, what we continue to not know uh, about it. Scott, you know, again, it's an extensive piece. We encourage everybody to pick up a copy of the Illinois Times. You can also read it online. Uh, and so I'm going to ask you to give us the uh, the succinct summary of it. Well, basically, we have a 22-year-old man who is the son of a uh, Springfield police detective who spends most of her time investigating um, sex crimes. And he's right now, he's in the Sangamon County Jail on charges of sexually abusing or assaulting three different girls um, over the last four years. I mean, one of them was four years ago, one of them was um, July 4th, and the other one was allegedly on um, the tail end of, of um, July, I think July 30th. So we hit, and the girls and their ages were 14, 15, and 16, and he is 22 years old. Now, um, the, the first, I first became aware of this case when, um, there was a, um, a runaway situation involving the 14-year-old girl um, end of July, and the parents stuck their head in their um, daughter's bedroom, you know, about 1230 at night, and noticed she was gone. And they were, like any parent, they'd be very upset. And they um, immediately got on the phone, called the police. They used their iPhone tracker, found out exactly where she was at, and they knew she'd been talking to some guy online, and they said to the police officer, we're wondering if that's that guy. But he, she's at this ha this apartment, gave the exact address. Officer goes there, knocks on the door, nobody answers. Knocks on the door again, nobody answers. He goes, walks around the apartment building, runs the plate of the car, um, sitting in front, and it comes back to a Zane Marine. Um, apparently, the name doesn't really mean anything to the particular officer until, uh, this is according to what I've been told by um, command staff, um, tell his uh, sergeant who uh, notices the name and says, oh, I know who that is. That's Detective Oglesby's uh, son. And they... Um, He's apparently at this point, Oglesby has contacted and said, you know, we think your uh, son may be in here. Uh, could you see if you could help out here? She calls her uh, son on the phone. And according to the victim who I've interviewed, she was yelling so loud she could hear him, him, him saying, her saying to him, 
Um, you get that little girl home now. Now, stop and think about this. Why wouldn't you just say, hey, um, there's a police officer outside the door. Would you open up the door for him and let him in? Or why wouldn't you say, hey, um, would you uh, unlock the door and have a police officer come and take the girl home? I mean, at this point, I mean, I, and I have to question the judgment of the patrol officer who came there or the sergeant or whoever made the ultimate decision. There was no police officer there when they left. And, you know, you go to a home where there's a runaway and it's 1230 at night and you, you know she's in there with a 22-year-old man because you've run the plate. I think judgment would tell you that they aren't in there playing pinochle. Something bad is happening. And then they left. I mean, they left the scene. And they left it up to the person they now accuse of sexual abuse to take her home. I can't—this doesn't compute with me at all. And so that case came to light uh, because it involves the son of a Springfield police officer. It was ultimately moved to state police yes. to investigate. Exactly. As they investigate, they unearth evidence of additional victims. That is exactly right. At this point, um, the state police are starting on this. Now, let, this is, I'm going to tell you what the families of the victims or the targets or there's a number of girls we talked to beyond the three that he's been charged with. They have said, every family I've talked to has said, um, they have been told by the state police, they are charged with only investigating the detective's son, not broadening the investigation out to look at uh, other agencies, to look at other individuals, anybody who um, else may have been involved with this, their focus is on any other crimes that Zane Marine may have committed. So when somebody says, oh, the state police are investigating, uh, you see if you know there was a, there was a cover-up or something involved in some other um, agencies, that's not correct from all I've been able to gather. And, and we should note, by the way, we, we asked this question to Mayor Jim Langfelder last week when he was on the air, and his reply was, you should ask that question of the Illinois State Police as to whether or not there was some sort of intervention, interference run on Zane Marine's behalf, some effort to uh, keep him away from the reach of the law or to keep him from getting in trouble for these, uh, these allegations. The mayor said, uh, you know, ask the state police about that because they're doing a comprehensive investigation, which directly contradicts what you've been told. Yes. And let me tell you, I filed a FOIA with the um, state police asking for the charging document, the request that came through from the uh, Springfield police for them to do this investigation, because that would help show us what the scope of the investigation they requested was. I got a response back that the document does not exist, that the conversation apparently was verbal. So what exactly was said and what wasn't said, you know, we don't have anything documenting that. But what I can tell you tell you is the families have been told by state police, or I should rephrase that, all the families who I spoke with had said that state police had communicated with them that they're investigating Zane Marine. They are not investigating 
broader issues uh, that may be in, involved with this. We're talking with Scott Reeder of the Illinois Times. Uh, this case stemming from the uh, multiple charges now filed against uh, Zane Marine, who is the son of a Springfield police detective. We will note for the record, he's innocent until proven guilty. He has been charged, but is awaiting trial on these allegations. And, and those allegations are now in the court system, and they will play out through that process. But uh, as Scott has noted here, there are bigger issues here uh, as far as what, if any, role his mother may have played, what knowledge she may have had of his conduct, uh, etc. And this leads into uh, a very bizarre situation uh, pertaining to uh, documentation records uh, that were sent over to the Child Advocacy Center, which is, acts as indeed an advocate for uh, underage victims in cases like this. Uh, and, uh, and some of the, the pertinent documentation has gone missing. Virtually all of the documentation has gone missing. Um, there, was, there was a case, a little background. Once I started looking at this case, I started saying, thinking to myself, I bet there's other, there may be other victims or other purported victims out there. So I started digging through documents. I filed over probably over 100 uh, FOIA requests uh, with agencies. I filed court request, records requests, went through vast amounts of documents. And I located somebody who had filed a charge against Zane four years ago. So I went out and um, talked to the parents of this young woman, and uh, they said, yeah, we, we filed a complaint four years ago, and we never heard anything back. And he, they, they explained that they had... Um, their daughter came home one night very distraught. She was non-communicative. They couldn't figure out what was wrong. They took her to Memorial's um, emergency room. They couldn't figure out what was wrong. So they um, admitted her into a inpatient psychiatric care for a few days. So then um, the parents go home. They look in the girl's diary, and they say that there are multiple accounts in that diary of... Um, um, sexual abuse um, allegations or sexual assault allegations. And they then took it to the Rochester police because they lived in Rochester. Rochester says, hey, we're going to get right on this, but we don't have detectives here. And this was four years ago. They do now. And they said, we're going to have to bring in the Sangamon County Sheriff's Department because they, they act as our criminal investigative division. They bring in the Sheriff's Department. They arranged for this girl to be interviewed at the Child Advocacy Center. They take her out of psych care, put her in there for two or three hours, and interview her. It's a very difficult, intrusive interview talking about, you know, very intimate things. And they, they video record this all. And it's very critical because they don't want uh, victims to be interviewed over and over and over again because it's re-traumatizes them, so they try to consolidate it down to one interview with this trained forensic interviewer. And at the end, um, a disc was given to the Rochester officer. In his notes that we have obtained, he says he passed it on to a Pacific deputy with Sangamon County and notes that the Sangamon County has now agreed to take over the investigation. But here's the weird part. Um, nothing happened. No, the family had no further contact with the sheriff's department. Nothing happened. And let me note that 
It was uh, it was not uh, Sheriff Campbell that was in charge at this time. He wasn't even with the department. But nothing. There was no feedback. Nothing happened. And so when I came and I started talking to the family, they explained all this to me. So I called up Sheriff Campbell. I said, "Do you know anything about this?" And he goes, "No, but I'm sure going to find out." And he ended up calling me several times that day and getting a little bit more information about what I'd found. And then he gets back to the family and he says, the uh, video recording um, we had has vanished along with all of the um, investigator notes. We don't know what happened to them. They just disappeared. And he contacted retired personnel and they said they didn't really remember the case. And it's like, you don't remember a case involving the son of a a fellow detective, um, it, it seems hard to believe that. But then it gets stranger. They go over to the Child Advocacy Center. They have a hard drive where they keep copies of these video recordings. The hard drive is crashed. Nothing's on it. Now, uh, so uh, does that also include then other cases? Are there dozens yes. of cases that are all the, the all the video and whatever other electronic evidence is all gone? Correct. But presumably, most of those disc copies were made, and they were in the hands of the investigators. But in this case, the disc is gone. The backup copy on the hard drive is destroyed, along with everything else. And on top of that, the the sheriff calls over to the um, um, prosecutor's office. Since this was a detective with Springfield, it was... uh, the state's attorney's office recused themselves, went over to the appellate prosecutor's office, and he calls her over there and asks, you know, the prosecutor, do you do you have a copy of this? And she says, yes, I do. She pulls it out of her uh, folder and sticks it in the computer. It's blank. Then they have the technicians come over and look at it. It's never had anything recorded on it in the first place. Nothing was erased. There was never a recording on it in the first place. So whoever had sent them that to them sent them a blank disc. All right, we are back. We have just a couple of minutes left here with uh, Scott Reeder from the Illinois Times. Again, go read the article, IllinoisTimes.com, or you can still probably find a a copy on the newsstand until the new edition comes out on Thursday. Scott, we've covered a lot of ground here, and there's still so many unanswered questions, but I I guess the big one is, is anybody looking at uh, the, the conduct of various police? Zane Marine's mother is a police detective, but other police were also involved in this, and as we said there seem to have been several balls dropped along the way in multiple cases here plus the the missing documentation is anybody looking into any of this to see if all appropriate procedures were followed or if certain things were not done in order to protect somebody with some pretty big connections that's a really good question as near as i've been able to discern there is no independent investigation being conducted to those matters and I would also say that um, the best case scenario we can draw up with these missing documents is an enormous mistake or incompetence was involved. The worst case scenario you can draw up with these missing documents is there's some kind of cover-up going on. We don't know. But if you're going to, if you if you don't want something to happen again. It's the best thing you can do is look into it and find out what happened and what can be done differently. So they, it begs for an independent investigation to come in and look at, and there's multiple agencies involved on top of that. We need to have somebody like 
say the FBI, come in and conduct an investigation. Maybe they won't find anything. Maybe they will. But I think it would give a whole lot more, um, um, make people feel a lot more comfortable with their police departments if something like that were conducted. And you're aware of at least one situation where an accuser's parents, uh, they say they were discouraged from filing a complaint because of the connections here? That is correct. Um, the day at, in the first incident with the girl that was 14, um, who um, Detective Oglesby called and her son and told him to take her home. Um, the next day, the father is going through his daughter's cell phone, and he said he found photos of her being fondled by this man. And he was very upset, as any father would be. And he called the—this um, is how he described it. He, he called the front desk and explained what had happened, and he says they said something to the effect of, oh, it happened to your— your daughter too. I'm so sorry, sir, or something to that effect. Mm. I mean, wow. I, yeah, uh, it was. He said it was said in a little bit more lengthy way than that. But anyway, he he said, "What do you mean too?" And he basically, they said, "We'll have somebody call you right away." And so a deputy chief calls um, calls him back, and they said they had the their phone on speakerphone, the stepmother and the dad, and they're listening and. They say one of the things that was said was, um, you know, I've known this boy's mother for years, and she's a really nice person. Do you Are you sure you want to file a complaint? And the father in this case said, I don't care if she's a nice person or not, or her son sexually uh, abused my daughter. Um, we want to file a complaint. And then... They say, uh, both of the parents say, the response they got was, well, you got her back. Isn't that what you wanted? Wow. <clears throat> so, you know, again, uh, required reading in the Illinois Times. Go read the article. Um, uh, we, we're not expecting an update in this week's edition, but you're still actively tracking all this. We're actively tracking this. We are looking at other uh, matters involving it. I think there's a lot of um, it's going to be a complex case, and you know, uh, I also would ask the you know the readers. To, there's there's a third girl we haven't discussed. Pick it up uh, because I think in that in some ways the allegations that she makes um, are even more serious against saying than anything anybody else. And there's a new police chief coming in, Ken Scarlett, uh -huh. and uh, you know as he's coming in, this seems like this might be an area where he might want to get a real fast handle on this and see if he can figure out what exactly has transpired here and take the appropriate action. You would sure hope so. I mean, uh, I've met the uh, the incoming chief once. Um, seems like a very nice man. Um, I really hope that um, these type of issues get addressed right away. I I think Springfield has some really excellent officers. I mean, I'm not, and please don't you know take this investigation as cop bashing because it's not. It, we just have a real concern about how these these girls were treated, and we're and we're were the were their cases uh, aggressively and vigorously uh, investigated. And those are things that we that really need to be looked at.